Do you know where you came from? What's your name? Malcolm Little. No. That's the name of the slave masters who own your family. You don't even know who you are. Who are you? Say, Roseland. Roseland. He was a pusher, a hustler, a thief. You ready to tackle the streets? Yeah, I'm ready. Let him come. <laughs> he was loved, respected, convicted. Say your number, little. I forgot. In a dream that's divine. He was a prisoner who set himself free. A Muslim must be strikingly upright. I will not touch the white man's drugs, his liquor, his women. So that those in the darkness can see the power of the light. I will not lie, cheat, or steal. I believe you will remain faithful. Yes. He was a follower who became a leader. You're not an American. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. He brought honor to disobedience. I suggest you look outside that window. You've been laying down and bowing down for 400 years. I think it's time to stand up. All right, break it up. You got what you wanted. No, I'm not satisfied. That's too much power for one man to have. And a voice to a people who longed to be heard. No, you're saying I'm anti-white. I'm sorry, Betty. I haven't been the best husband. Do you advocate violence? No, sir. Academy Award winner Denzel Washington's most electrifying performance. Director Spike Lee's most powerful film. Malcolm, can we all live together? I sincerely hope so. Hello, welcome to Movie Humpers. My name is Bob Sham. I am Angela. Sounds here may be dogs, and this month our theme for January of 2024 is Portraits of the Artists. And for the majority of the month, we are concentrating on films. Star a guy, maybe you've heard of him, his name is Denzel Washington. And today, this week, we're dealing with some race themes. So it really works here in which we're going to discuss our second ever Spike Lee movie. Do you remember what our first Spike Lee discussion was? Uh, she Hate Me. That's right. A very strange movie. And uh, this one's a little bit more, a, a little tighter than that, than that movie. Uh, and much longer. This is, this is so much better than that movie. This is not, this movie is not the longest. It, uh, Barry Lyndon beats the runtime by three minutes, but this movie is the <laughs> second longest movie we've discussed yet. We are talking about the 1992 film Malcolm X, directed by Spike Lee, written by Arnold Pearl, Spike Lee, Malcolm X. And uh, Alex Haley, of course, it's based on the autobiography of Malcolm X that was dictated to Alex Haley. Malcolm X died and Haley finished it. And it stars Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett, Al Freeman Jr., Delroy Lindo, as well as many others. And it is produced, which is notable, by Marvin Worth and Spike Lee. Marvin Worth 
knew Malcolm X back in the day and had been trying to get some kind of Malcolm X film project in the works for a long time. Okay. It was written by, I think a few people got a hold of the script. And at one point, the director, Norman Jewison, was set to direct this movie. He is a white man. And so there was some pushback on that, especially by Spike himself. But Spike conceded that Norman's heart wasn't really that in it because when he challenged him for it, Norman was just like, fine. But there was some uh, issues trying to get this, getting budget going for this. Arnold Pearl had passed away long before um, this this movie, which is based on a script he wrote. And Spike Lee, uh, through that script, kind of put his rewrote it with uh, Arnold Pearl's script in mind. So it's so one of the co-writers here was passed away before this movie even came out. In post production, it kind of ran out of its budget. Spike mm-hmm. was pretty intent. I'm making the movie the way he wanted to make it. I think the studios wanted it to cut around two hours. Of course, this movie's runtime is three hours and 20 minutes. I'm glad he got what he wanted. And uh, a lot of stars at the time, and we see them at the ass end of the credits here. And we see them credited at the very end of the credits of the movie. People like Oprah, Tracy Chapman, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Bill Cosby. Uh, You remember that guy. Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson. We see them wearing Malcolm X caps at the end of the movie, but they all pulled their money and donated into the to finish up the post production of this film. At that time, in 1992, Malcolm X shit had just kind of spiked in visual. It became like a fashion statement. You saw the X. You saw African Americans, Black Americans wearing the X on their clothes. It became a thing that was much more common. Like. It just, there was like a second wave of recognition of the speeches and I, and ideas put forth by Malcolm X in that time. Did there, that come before the movie or in conjunction with? Before. So it was building up to that. And there was like a African identity movement. And you saw that yeah. early on in the 90s. So it just seems like it'd be a no-brainer to to make a Malcolm X movie at that time. But it still was not. All that is supported as you might think, at least. Sure, but it does seem like that's maybe why they were finally able to push it over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it definitely probably how the momentum of shopping it around finally got that momentum. Yes, yes. But the studio still wanted it within a budget, which it exceeded, and wanted it within a time, which it exceeded. But uh, some black celebrities came together and made sure it got finished off. So that's why you see them thanked yeah. at the end of the movie and stuff. And honestly, don't know what you would have cut out i think it i don't think there was anything extra yeah in this movie this movie definitely did not drag it actually didn't feel that long to me no it's there's so much that happens that you want to know what is the next thing that's going to happen well it helps that it's covering someone who's very interesting yes right and yes and you can't fault it i just realized that in the scroll credits the Terrence Blanchard, uh, it was misspelled. Aww. But it's all right. Sometimes I it's misspell okay. things. I'm it's not okay. perfect. The Daniels, you know those guys that made uh, Everything Everywhere All yeah. at Once, Swiss Army Man. One of the Daniels, I don't know which if it's the Asian one or the white one. He, he made some, not too long ago, he said something about this movie, how, oh, this is a great crime movie. And people responded in the way that you're responding right now, like a crime movie. Now, granted, there was a period in which Malcolm X, then Malcolm Little, a.k.a. Red, sure. was a bit of a hustler. Yeah, and, that's where he started. And it's established his, and that's established into his journey as he goes into prison 
to become the man that we know as Malcolm X. Yeah. But uh, people just reacted very strangely to that. And then, I mean, there are crime elements in the movie, but even after sitting through it, I wouldn't say it's like the thing of the movie. No, I mean, and there is all kinds of different crime, right? There is like the crime that he committed with his uh, buddy at the beginning that, that led to him going to jail. Uh, there's the hate crime yeah. that's happening throughout the movie when his he was father, a child his... all the way up until like his house being burnt. But then we find out that that's like uh, black on black crime at sure. that point, like within their own community, oh, potentially within the nation of within Islam. Nation of Islam. Like yeah. So there are all these like different levels of crime, but it is not a movie about crime. It is a movie about <laughs> a Malcolm X and what he, his, his journey Yes. From where he was before until being Nation of Islam till where he ended up. Speaking of Nation of Islam, I, I'm going to, I actually find this movie kind of hard to talk about. Yeah. In the sense that it's so long because you just really want to just talk about Malcolm X. Yeah. In particular. So we'll probably be a little all over the place in discussing this movie and I think that's okay. At the time when you're thinking of like a Malcolm X movie coming out, Denzel Washington does seem like the obvious choice. He even kind of favors him in a lot of looks. Yeah. But he had apparently been playing Malcolm X in an off-Broadway show. I forget what that play is called. Oh. So he kind of already had the vibe. Now, Denzel, I, I compare his style, his acting, his presence as an actor. I've compared it to people like Cary Grant, Gregory Peck, in which that you always know who these guys are, but it's their charisma, their, their, the way they, they position themselves, they posture themselves, that really carries their performance, their roles. They're not really chameleon-type actors, but in this movie... He is. He's kind of a chameleon. You're sitting through this movie, and you're kind of forgetting, like... I think with most of the Denzel movies we watch, we're going to be very conscious that we're watching... The actor Denzel, but in this one, I kind of forgot in some yeah. ways that oh, this is a movie starring Denzel Washington. It did did feel like as a viewer that he truly embodied the Malcolm X character. I agree. And um, so this Malcolm, so we get a lot of build up, and Malcolm X is um, well, Malcolm Little. He eventually goes to prison after a lot of shit get some pretty cool zoot suits and some dancing there's a lot of cool yeah the the dancing in the beginning and the clubs and stuff yeah that was really cool and it kind of balanced because there was dancing at the end of the movie too so spike kind of made sure that it was like booking it in a certain way it's very brilliantly made in that they do take moments like they literally danced for an entire song at the beginning which you you might not see like you might think that's too much but there were little things happening throughout that song but it really like set the time and the place yeah. and the feeling of like where they were and there's a whole thing about how he at you really, one of the early things you see is him straightening his hair yeah right? and you're really reveling in the visuals of the time in absolutely that, in that. And of course uh, malcolm little he he comes from a family like his mother is half white uh i think they said that like her mother was a black woman who was raped, yes. right? Well, and he says he thinks that one of the reasons she was initially attracted to his father is because his father was so dark, because she wanted to have so that's darker a, children. She's born into that animosity that that I mean that you that you can justify that animosity. And his father, they get attacked when they're young by like this chapter in the of clan in Omaha. That's where they grew mm-hmm. up. He gets attacked, and the father fights back, and they end up killing him by. Putting on on some train tracks and running them over. And the fucking insurance people say it was suicide, so yeah. they won't give her any money. And then she's got six children, I believe. There's six of them. And he's already getting in trouble. And so the social worker 
she takes the kids away. And so, and we find out some of these things more in flashbacks, but from a very young age, he was actually sent to live with a white family. Yeah, he went to, he was educated amongst white people. Well, it was a white, like, boarding house for boys and he was the only white boy a black, a black boy and then he was the only black boy in his class he said he never even thought anything bad about the n-word because they just said it so freely he just thought it was it was just a word yeah and he was talking about how you know there's a scene where a teacher's explaining to him like no you can't be a lawyer so you have to be something else he's like but i get the best grades yeah and he so he's got this education and he's in these spots but it's still you know and, of course, this is all leading into what guides him straight into. Eventually, he gets locked up. Tangled up with this gangster is played by Delroy Lindo. And he's running for his life because he's... I don't know what the numbers meant exactly. It's gambling. Yeah. So, he thinks Delroy's going to kill him and he runs off. And then... Um, and how, do, how does he go to jail? Oh, they rob this elderly white man. Yeah. And they get caught because one of the dudes that they get try to get in on it snitches on him. And that's when he goes to prison, and that's when he meets Baines, uh, basically gets him to stop straightening his hair, and uh, gets, gets him, him into... start reading the Bible. The Bible or the Koran. Both. Gets him to join the Nation of Islam, as a, as propped up at the time by Elijah Muhammad. And mm-hmm. The Nation of Islam, and this is where we get the Malcolm... He's a black nationalist, a separatist. He, he's not sympathetic with white people at all. And he believes that they should be completely separated societies because you cannot trust the white man. I mean, the, yeah. the teachings of Elijah Muhammad are of uh, that white people are the devil. Yeah. And they ask him to take inventory in Malcolm's life of, have you ever known a good white person? And he he has a, he's, he has a girlfriend who's white for like the first half of the movie. There's at one point when she is laying in bed with him and he's accusing... And he's saying, you're just going to go off and say that I raped you at some point, right? Yeah, whenever you're done with me. But she never actually leaves. But when they all get locked up because she's in on the robbery. Well, she goes to jail, too. She goes to jail, but then she just goes and marries the the white guy that she... Because they all have other real boyfriends or girlfriends, right? But I guess he just saw her as someone that was trying to get something from him. Which is interesting because she backed him... Every step of the way. It seemed like she stuck by him Even when he was kind of good. acting crazy. Mm. You know, like right before they did that big job, like he was doing like Russian roulette. Now we found out later that there was no bullet in the gun. But it was, was a fucking a scene, intense, though. amazing scene. Yeah. But even at the end of that, she just looked at him and she was like, I love you. Like yeah. she just, she was so into him. And maybe he just felt she was never genuine and she was just using him for what she could get out of him i don't know uh but she never seemed to actually do anything but he said that the reason that he and shorty is his friends yeah. went to jail it's played so by long. spike lee yes um the reason he and shorty went to jail for so long was because they he, were sleeping with because, yeah he basically was like we all did the same crime the girls had to go for a little while but we we got in trouble because we were sleeping with white girls he goes into prison and that's when he gets lifted up and, and, and the nation of islam really did lift him out of a hole well and he says there's two times there's two times in this movie that he has sort of like a revelation and one is in his jail cell I said that weird jail cell and he sees Elijah Muhammad like appear to him. The most dangerous creation in the world in any society is the man with nothing to lose. 
You do not need ten such men to change the world. One will do. The earth belongs to us, the black man, and whatever is around it or on it or in it belongs to us. And now I'm in it. Because before that, he's like, I can't kneel down and pray. Like, I can't do this, not and the other. And almost then, like a born-again story. Like, almost like in a... Yeah. yeah, like he has this vision of Elijah Muhammad. And after from that day forward, he's like a thousand percent. And he's writing to Shorty. He's writing to his old, like, gangster friends trying to tell them about Elijah Muhammad. And they all think he's lost it. Mm-hmm. But he does eventually get out and immediately goes to meet Elijah Muhammad. And Baines has been out for a while. And Baines does the introduction. Yeah. And from that moment, he's so dedicated yeah. That Elijah Muhammad immediately is like, good. He be, yeah. I'm going to put you in charge of some stuff. They present it as though he gets traction very quickly. He becomes literally very pious. Mm-hmm. Like he's almost the most literalized version of what they teach. And there's always that one guy. And it, it's, it's a case of, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we tried to be very religious. And when we were teenagers, we tried to be. And a lot of my friends as youngsters, we're... We're trying so hard or wanting to try so hard or wanting to believe and wanting for everything to be so sincere. And then there becomes this shell. The shell starts to break away around you, which these people, these adults that guide you, Mm -hmm. you see them failing harder than everyone around you. Yeah. And you see them contradicting the things that they demand that you understand and love and learn. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and I I think that's that's kind of the issue with Malcolm X. He embodied it. Better than the people who were teaching it to he him. He believed it and lived it. He walked it. All they did was say it. When I realized that no one else was doing that, and it was all, to me, my opinion, seemed to be all just appearances yeah. and saving face. Like, you want people to think you're a certain way, but then you're still, you're not. Yeah. And that's really what broke it for me. And and then you it caused you to question your own sincerity Absolutely. and what, and your own beliefs and the why why am I doing this? Yeah, and so so to start, you know, you, you're you're kind of sympathetic with this the idea of that nationalism, that separation, because it is an intensely racist society. We're we're talking about a diaspora of people who have been removed and and put into a position into a society. Mm-hmm. It, it's really interesting. The Nation of Islam is so fascinating. To yeah. Me. They would never let me in. I mean, look at me, right? <laughs> but you know, they have like their own little mythologies and shit too. It re- it's kind of like the Mormonism in the sense how mm. Mormonism is the this Western vision of an of an ancient religion. They've got mm. the new chapters of they they claim that the Israelites came to the Americas and they did yeah. all this. The Nation of Islam is almost like this it's like this diaspora vision of traditional islam yeah but it's not traditional islam per se right but they have their own little uh, mythologies and ideas like how mormons do it's just this very western version of an abrahamic religion just like mormonism but but in a very different way right but they have this mythology they believe there's this one thing i don't know if they all literally believe this but it has been taught by elijah muhammad that um that there was this ancient doctor named yakub who lived on a Greek island thousands of years ago, and that he invented white people in a lab. 
he mm. he worked in the in this lab and he had this tribe this group around him that helped facilitate his ideas and over time they created white people. They say that black people were the original people. Yes, then they do say that and, in this movie. In evolutionary science, there is actually something to Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And Jesus was not white. Yeah. If he was a real no, person, of course not. he was not white. He looked like fucking Osama bin Laden probably. Yeah. So just worship Osama bin Laden is what I'm saying. But yeah, uh, but this guy, Yakub was this evil scientist and he had a large brain, like a large cranium. And, and I just want to say... Hands out to the Nation of Islam who are still active today under Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan, notably absent in this movie, as far as we can tell. Yeah. Um, I come to you as a humble child of Yakub. Uh, let me hang out with you guys. I just want to hang out with you guys and chill. Is that all right? Can I hang out with the Nation? Would you mind if I hung out with the Nation of Islam? I just want to chill, talk to them. You just want to have conversations with people. No, I want to hang out with the Nation of Islam. I know, but like... I, I, this humble son of Yakub. <laughs> Look, I accept Yakub made me. I'm a child of Yakub. Well, okay, listen. Excuse me, Mr. X. Um, hi. I, I've read some of your speeches, and I honestly believe that a lot of what you have to say is true. And and I, I'm a good person in spite of what my ancestors did. I, I just I wanted to ask you, what can a white person like myself, who isn't prejudiced, what can I do to help you and, and further your cause? Nothing. So this is what was so interesting about this to me, and I'm glad that you're talking about it in this way, is that Malcolm X did 100% commit himself to this version of Islam laid out by Elijah Muhammad. Every time he spoke, he said, as Elijah Muhammad has taught us, from the prophet Elijah Muhammad. This is what he told me. Everything he believed down to, like, how you're supposed to select your wife, how women are supposed to behave, you know, all of that is, like, from Elijah Muhammad. And then when he realizes that Elijah Muhammad is a person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but he's fallible. Like, he's, yeah. he's actually um, had sex with multiple young, young women. Because you're supposed to pick a wife that is half your age plus seven. Mm. Which is, like, insane. What if you want to get married when you're... 25. Well, okay, he breaks yeah. his own rule. Of well, course. he breaks his own rule and he has he has multiple children with these very young women who at some point were all like secretaries of his or or within the organization and that all comes out and it's actually Angela Bassett as his yeah. wife Betty who comes to him and is like you need to open your eyes. Like you will die for this right. man. She's the one that's kind of like but like, you can't see that he's he's betraying you. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not telling you the truth. He's not being honest about who he is. And so he goes and meets with these women and and it really it really opens his eyes to the fact that even Baines, who's the man who brought him into this organization, is very money-driven. Like, they all have, like, these big cars, these big houses, and he and his wife don't. Like, they don't own their own house. They're living very Well, it, everything weekly. is through the nation. Well, yeah, but they're not because getting... Because he has that much trust in them that all of their livelihood is built up in there. Absolutely, but he's not getting those big payouts like these other men are on the council. But he's also accused within the nation of trying to take over the nation because... He is like he's on television. The, he's the face. He's the face of it. He's the care. He's the charismatic one. Yeah. He's the one that's out there. And at one point, he he speaks out after JFK is assassinated. 
Oh yeah, this is And good. he basically the they're like, What do you feel about this? Yeah, and he basically says all the terrible things that have been laid out by this country and this leadership and this man, it's just coming back. And He's basically saying it's karma. See, the way we're talking about this shows how successful Spike Lee executed this movie. And that's this is what you want when you're making like some kind of a biography. Yeah. Is that we're just talking about the story of the man, but yeah. we really have only watched this movie. Yeah. I've read maybe like a half of the autobiography of Malcolm X. I just never got around to finishing it. And a lot of this is true as it was written. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Louis Farrakhan isn't in this movie. And he has been accused of being a, at least a part of the conspiracy that got Malcolm X assassinated. Yeah. yeah. So there's the, like the, this weird, interesting little balance there because this movie becomes very critical of the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because he essentially, after that happens, he divorces himself. I mean, they killed him. They killed his ass. Well, yeah, but he divorces himself from the Nation of Islam before that happens. And he actually goes to Mecca. Right. And he says, you know, this is something that everyone is supposed to do, this pilgrimage. I'm going to go. And then he just is learning about Islam as Islam is intended. Now, you may be shocked by these words, but I have eaten from the same plate, drunk from the same glass, and prayed to the same God with fellow Muslims whose eyes were blue, whose hair was blonde, and whose skin was the whitest of white. And we were all brothers, true. People of all colors and races believing in one God and one humanity. Islam is so wrapped into the culture of a lot of peoples all over the planet. It's not like a race-specific religion. Just like Christianity, anybody can embody. But the Nation of Islam choose. was very much like it is a race. That's what separates it from actual yeah. Islam. And that's why a lot of Islamists or, you know, speakers, they don't give the cre- much credence to the nation because yeah. of that. I, I, I get it because, you know, he comes back and he says, from now forward, I, or he may say this before, but he basically is talking about his time there. And he says, you know, I am sorry for all the negative things that I said about other leaders. Speaking like the Martin Luther guys. King Jr., people like that. Yeah, the nonviolence. I'm sorry for the things I spoke out against them. I hope that they forgive me for the things that, that I did say. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would hope that they would reconsider the things they have said about me. Because moving forward, he's like, I... He does still feel that the focus has to be on the black man. And I get that because it's like we, we need it's to like a, take back ourselves. White people can help us. There's still a black nationalist undercurrent. He's but just a little more open to yeah. outside support. And I think a lot of people maybe interpret this like he becomes more into the MLK side of things. And I don't I don't think it's that, it's no. that clean. One of your more controversial remarks sometimes back was a call for black people to get rifles and form rifle clubs. You still favor that for self-defense? Well, I don't see why that's controversial. I think that if white people find themselves the victims of the same kind of violence that black people have found themselves victims of here in America, and if the government was either unable or unwilling to do anything about it, uh, I think that it would be intelligence on their part to defend themselves. What about the guns, Malcolm? When you tell your people to stop being violent against my people, I'll tell my people to put away their guns. It almost feels more like, it almost feels honestly more like a, the Black Lives Matter or movement. Black Panthers. Where it's, yeah, Black Panthers. But what is, yeah, it's like, it's like white people you can support, yeah. but this is not about you. And, you know, like you can give us money and you can like support what we're doing, but we within ourselves have to come together and like 
bring ourselves up. Like we can't well, fight, but amongst ourselves. As he's going, yeah, as he's going out of the nation, he is embodying more. He's not like you know the Black Panthers and what he was trying to do are a little different, but they started to m- meld more into more of this Pan Africanist identity, Pan Africanism in the sense of that those that are descendant of African descent that are diasporate all over the world to present a solidarity between all of these people. Yeah. I think that uh, as black people in America strive to throw off the shackles of, of uh, mental colonialism, they will also reflect their desire to throw off the shackles of uh, cultural colonialism. I believe that a mental and a cultural uh, migration back to Africa, not necessarily a physical migration, not at this point, but a mental and cultural migration back to Africa, which only means that we reaffirm our our bond with our brothers over there, would help to strengthen uh, us here in America, black people in America, not only spiritually, but as well as giving us the incentive to solve some of our problems here at uh, at home. He was he never turned nonviolent. He's he was no. an advocate of the guns. Yeah, he said to the end, he's like, I'll have my gun as long as I need my gun. And that the way Spike Lee plays up the paranoia. In which, um, I mean, they blow up his house at one point. Well, and, and I feel like we've almost told, gone through the whole thing. I mean, yes, his house is blown up, and then, and then he is supposed to give this like one big last speech. And the way they play it, the way they play it in the movie, is as though he knows. Like he even says to his guy who's supposed to be his bodyguard, "It is now a time for martyrs." I don't know if he actually said those words. He knew he was going to die. At but least he knew he was going to die. He, Yeah, I mean, he basically was like, I shouldn't be speaking today at this place. Because it was all building up. And he's, like, basically in hiding. And he even says to his wife, I don't think this is just the nation of Islam. I'm going to stop saying that. Because he's also got, like, theoretically CIA guys following him. Like, he's being watched. He's being tapped. Like, people are listening to his conversations. There's that one moment where the white... Agent guys are listening to him talking to his wife on the phone about how much he loves her and stuff. Hey, come on down. Bring the girls, too. The girls and I miss you so much. I'll see you tomorrow. Compared to King, this guy's a monk. Good night, Sweet I love you. I kind of knew this, but not a lot, that Martin Luther King had a lot of affairs. He had infidelity issues. I ultimately don't think that affects what his later message is. I don't either. I don't either. But the CIA did uncover that and tried to use it against them. I just think it's interesting that, that even that, and even at that point, like, he was... He had genuinely become a loyal, Uh, like... Do you think the movie was positing that the nation was working with the CIA? Well, he says that at one point. He says, he says, I don't think it's just them. They're getting help. He said, I think they're getting help. It's like the enemy of my enemy. And Farrakhan... Like, even if nothing else, if they're following him, you know they're also following those guys. Like, they have to know the plan. You would think. Yeah. And Farrakhan kind of admits from time to time at least that his rhetoric helped to lead to it. I think they found that he was like an hour away from where he was killed okay. or at least in that vicinity mm-hmm. but he runs the nation of Islam the modern iteration of it as it is now so he was the predecessor which at one point would have been Malcolm he is Farrakhan is super interesting because when asked about that he seems to be like yeah we cleaned house like we had we straightened I mean, up obvious. our bed like he he's an he, it's He's he's an interesting guy because he is extremely honest, you know? It seems like he doesn't really mince words. There's, like, no denying it, right? Like, to deny it would be idiotic. Well, I think the question is how involved was he in, in particular. For sure, but he's going to say, like, as a group. 
Yes, we got rid of him. But again, Farrakhan, particularly as a character, at least yeah. isn't named or is noticeably absent. Well, and you know, at least Malcolm X's daughter, at least thought that I believe thought that Farrakhan was much more responsible because she tried to kill him. Well, she yeah yeah, and she she attempted to assassinate Farrakhan, and she got put in jail. For it. Yeah, that's uh, what kind of happened to the family as they went on. Is pretty some real tragedy. There and, was a lot. I looked up a, about Betty afterwards because I was very interested in her. His wife Betty was a very devout Muslim. She was a nurse. She was a teacher. Like she read like women's. She led women's studies um, for women other other Muslims in their group. Um, and she, like, fiercely loyal to him. Above everything, she believed in Malcolm and she believed in Islam. And when she saw that things were not going well, she was concerned about him and she spoke up. You notice that after their house blew up, he's being interviewed by Christopher Maltasanti from The Sopranos. Yeah. Which is evidence that the New Jersey mob was also involved in that. What? Christopher Maltasanti. Was interviewing. Okay, him. you're just trying to connect the this Jersey to the Sopranos. Mob okay, listen. Also involved. That's a fictional story. Um, oh, you know, I really love. I think one of my favorite parts of this movie <laughs> is when when Malcolm, you know, he's rolling the nation, is falling apart, just going in full paranoia. He knows that this isn't going to end well, and there's this shot that Spike did where he's just kind of. It just looks like he's just kind of floating, like yes. the way the camera is following him. <laughs> Don't you pay them folks no never mind. You just keep right on doing what you doing. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'll pray for you, son. Oh, thank you. Jesus will protect you. This era of Spike is probably like his prime era. Absolutely. You know, once you get in the 2000s, things kind of go a little up and down. But like this era, getting closer to the... Do the right thing, era. Oh, this is the good shit, right? So it speaks to what you were talking about before, about how, like, you have a certain level of fame when you're being misunderstood. Like, she just saw him as, like, a strong black leader, religious leader. The image of you, at some point, becomes bigger than the words that came out of you. And I think you can even ascribe that to people like Jesus, right? Absolutely. Like... If you look at what Jesus is telling you to do, and you look at these people who, who tout his name the highest, political power to, like, push people down and destroy lives, it's like, God, it would be so much better if they actually literalized and focused on those words. It's, you know, yeah. a lot of people that are mad at religion, they're not angry at the Jesuses of the world. They're, it's more of, like, the people that follow them and what they embody and how they... Have, manipulate how they have molested these these ideologies to just put themselves up even to someone who is not religious it just feels so perverse yeah at the end of the movie we see nelson mandela saying words that malcolm x spoke to the class as brother malcolm said we declare our right 
on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be given the rights of a human being, to be respected as a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence. By any means and this was between when he got arrested and apartheid being mm. so this was done in between those times so apartheid I think uh, a couple of years later would end in South Africa but mm-hmm. you know some of these things don't really truly end do they but I guess it is if you want to say it's better than then then yes you can sure. say that but Spike really gave you an immersive biography here mm-hmm. and Malcolm X's most immersive chameleon like role I, I think it it stands out. You meant to say Denzel Washington. See? You believe so much that he... I mean... That's, like, he, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. He doesn't have a role like this. No, it, you As know, good as he is, he nothing feels like his performance here. No. You know, there's this moment when the, when the sermon is being given and they actually start showing real photos of Malcolm X and real videos. And... They time it so perfectly in this moment where he talks about, you may think you know all these things about him, but did you ever speak to him? Did he ever smile at you? Did you ever, were you ever really around him? Um, Because then that's the only way to actually really know who he is. And they say like the smile thing and the Malcolm X like turns to someone and he does smile. And it's like, he looked, Denzel looked so much like him naturally. It was a but no-brainer just, who was going to play him. No one else heard could a movie have. No coming. one else could have played this role. Yeah, right. No one else could have ever played this role. It was so brilliantly done. I actually kind of appreciated how it, it it ended when it ended, and they didn't do like a and this person went on to do this and this person went on to do this. Well, that would have been a sad. That would have been sad. It would have. But I did just want to did just want to say like I did I did read about Betty afterwards, um, and so she then was a single mother of six. I think they only show four children in the movie, but they actually had six children. And she became a doctor while raising her children on her own. And when one of their daughters was in her 20s, she, like we mentioned, tried to kill Louis Farrakhan and was caught and sent to prison. And so her 10-year-old son went to live with Betty, his grandmother, and he was acting out, and he really just wanted to be sent back to his mother, apparently, like in reading more and more about him. But he set her house on fire one night, and apparently he thought, oh, I'm just going to set this fire, and I'm going to get in trouble, and they're going to send me back to my mom. I don't know if he understood that his mom was in jail. And instead of Betty leaving out the back door to safety... She was trying to save her grandson, and she ran through the fire that was in the hallway. It ended up killing her. And it ended up killing her three weeks later. She had burns on, like, 80% of her body. Like, she... But she was a fighter, and she was a very strong woman. And even in the end, like, in her last act, she was trying to save someone that she loved. I just think she's kind of a remarkable person. Didn't the grandson get 
murdered in Mexico City. He did. He was so, trying to do some immigrant labor organization yeah, or something. Um, I believe he was maybe arrested a couple other times. But, yeah, from what I read, when he was around 20, 28, maybe, he was in his 20s. He, um, he was in Mexico City, and he was found dead, beaten to death. And allegedly he had been down there um, doing work for uh, – like Mexican workers' rights within the U.S. Well, it's just it's just too bad to hear. I mean, he did have plenty more children, though. But I guess that specific family line and is his name was Malcolm. tragic. Yeah, that is uh, that story of Spike Lee's immersive biography of Malcolm X. Uh, very uh, well done. Uh, but we're going to review it. You're going to get one through five. We're going to one through five combined for best. Out of 10. Uh, just the fact that we got it mixed up with the movies and the realities and the way it just seems so interchangeable. And I think that is a sign that Spike actually made a very successful biography. Uh, I thought this movie got some accolades. It did not win any Academy Awards. Which is insane because Denzel should have won. This uh, movie yeah. should have won. How much do you give it? Five. Ooh, Wow. I'm going to give it a... Uh, I wouldn't change anything about it. Hmm. And I think it was I think it was extremely well made. Well, it's going to hit, at least hit a 9. So, if I give it a 4.25, then that's going to put it... I think it's an S tier. It's going to go into S tier. Yeah, Al Pacino won for Scent of a Woman. Yeah, I mean, Al Pacino always goes hard in his roles. I mean, he's a great actor. Sure. But I felt like this is definitely a, a much more of a standout performance compared I to that. I do too. They gave it to him because he was playing a blind guy, you know. But check out the list here in the Movie Tumpers all-time greats S tier. Movie Tumpers. Movie Tumpers. <laughs> Malcolm X, all up in uh, alphabetical order, is joins the rank of S tier. Our first Denzel S tier movie here. Will there be more this month? Who knows? I don't know. Maybe. Check the show notes for links of where other places where you can find us. Um, like, like and subscribe. Uh, if you listen to it on podcasts, like on Spotify or Apple, give us a nice little star review. Just press that there and then move on with your day. Um, what do you think of Malcolm X, Spike Lee? What's your favorite Spike Lee movie? Uh, what's another, what other Denzel Spike movies are? He Got Game and Mo Betta Blues. He was mm. in those movies, but we're only talking about one Denzel Spike movie. Um, we will be discussing a Denzel Tony Scott movie later in the month. He was in a few Tony Scott movies. They were very well known for working together, but we will have at least one. I tried to hit one of each of uh, Denzel's famous pairings, but, uh, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed this and, uh, Thoughts and prayers to the haters. Mm-hmm.